Welcome to the Pact Podcast, where we discuss matters of Christian living and Christian discipleship for Christian community. Pact stands for prayer, accountability, confidentiality, and truth, essentials for doing life together in the local church. I'm your co-host, Tim Harvey, alongside co-host Adam Rogers and Cody Hopwood. Now, on to the Pact. Welcome back to the Pack Podcast. Uh, Cody is not with us today. He is suffering on the beach. And so he actually sent us a picture of his suffering, and we thought maybe we would talk about jealousy today on the yeah. podcast, but instead we decided we'd just stick with our Tough Topic series Yeah, instead. we didn't want to talk about Cody being a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is a Pack Podcast. It's among pick, friends. So we don't like, want to pick on him while he's not here. No, so. But we will when he gets back. Yeah. So, tough topics. We've covered a couple things about God's sovereignty, human responsibility, human choice. And uh, so today, we, we had mentioned that uh, if there was any listeners who had tough topics that you would like for us to cover, that we would do our best to take a stab at it. So we had one listener who asked a question. We're going to try to deal with it. And that is, uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? Or is it a taco? Hmm. A bread taco? Yeah. Didn't I see this on a sitcom some sometimes like recently? Like I, I don't know. I feel like somebody's dealt with this question before. Besides us. Well, what is the definition of a sandwich? I've looked it up. You, you've it. looked it up. Oh yeah. So a sandwich is defined as two or more slices of bread or a split roll having filling between them. So a hot dog is a sandwich. Done. Okay. There we go. Call it an open face sandwich. How about that? <laughs> open face sandwich. <laughs> Why does anyone listen to this pod? This podcast. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Hi, I'm here. Dear. I'm Brandon. Oh yeah, Brandon's yeah. with us today. Brandon's with us today. Fill in for Cody. All Brandon's right, so, sickling. So seriously, this is what we're actually going to deal with. So um, it's kind of a good piggyback off of the whole sovereignty and human choice discussion and that is what's called typically called the problem of evil and so um the problem of evil is something that um we'll kind of get into why it's a problem here in just a minute but uh it's actually one of the reasons why probably lots of people who don't believe in god uh, say that they don't believe in god because of the existence of evil and how that relates to who God is and who the Bible says he is. So we're going to try to talk about that today, and hopefully it'll be a helpful conversation. So let's first of all uh, answer the question or, or describe the problem. So, Brandon, what what is the problem of evil, and why do we need to talk about it today? Well, there's a couple of different problems of evil, but I guess let's start with uh, what's usually called the logical problem of evil, and that's um, most famously – uh, given by a philosopher named Epicurus. You know, Epicurus was uh, alive back in the 200s, 300s before Christ. And so he was uh, an old guy, not necessarily talking about the Christian God, but just any God in general. And he, he basically gives uh, three statements. He said, um, one, God is all-powerful and all-knowing. Two, God is good. And three, evil exists. And he says that two of the three can be held at any given time, but that all three can't be held at the same time. So either uh, God is all powerful, 
but he doesn't know about the evil that's happening or he is all knowing and all powerful, but he's not good. And so he's allowing this evil to happen. And so you can go through all the different ways and, and, and figure it out. But basically Epicurus says, this is a problem and you need to figure it out because you can't hold all three of these at the same time. Hmm. Or can you? Yeah. So that's just kind of the philosophical, by the way, Brandon, got his master's degree in apologetics so he has he's got a pretty good handle on what some of these uh philosophers have thought over the years so that, that's kind of the big picture uh question usually it comes down and gets more personal than that mm. though so adam kind of walk us through that not just the philosophical idea of the problem of evil but when it hits home yeah so it really is an important question for christians to consider um because you know from the one like what brandon just said you can ask it from a logical philosophical side of things and this is where you kind of imagine you know epicurus and his you know white robe rolling his hands in the air and you know philosophizing but in at the end of the day i think what people are really really wanting to know when it comes to the problem of evil is why is this particular evil or suffering happening to me mm-hmm. or happening to someone that i deeply care about or when there's a school shooting or when there's a natural disaster. I mean, we're, we're confronted just so very often with the reality that evil actions do exist uh, in the world and that people do commit um, atrocities, like legitimate, evil, sinful actions. And so it gets personal because um, you might call I don't know if this is a category, but you might call it the emotional problem of evil uh, because we feel the effects of of sin uh, at the end of the day, um, you know you want to talk about where evil comes from. It comes from the the presence of sin, uh, and and really, whether it be an action that we take uh, that produces a suffering or a consequence, or if it's the sins of others, sometimes it's really difficult because it's not the direct sin of another person. You know, when you think of a tsunami wiping out a city, well, it's not that a person or nature sins and therefore wipes out a city. This is a result of sin in the world. So all of that brings us to this more um, personal grappling with with what evil and sin is in relationship to uh, a good God, uh, mm-hmm. especially whenever it's in ourselves, in our bodies, or in our families, in our children, in our neighborhood. You know, that, that's where it starts to we really start to wonder these things. It's not just for the, you know, for academia out there in the ivory tower, it's for us in our, you know, in our streets, in our bedrooms, having these kind of conversations and yeah. trying to trying to wrestle with these things. So, yeah. So just to make it real point and personal, you mentioned a school shooting, everybody knows how evil mm. that is. So the thought process is on the one hand, either God is not powerful enough to stop something like that. Brandon mm-hmm. mentioned that before from the philosophical way of thinking, or God didn't know it was going to happen. Or God is powerful enough to do something about it and knew it was going to happen and chose not to. Mm-hmm. And then the question comes, can God really be good if he's got the power and the foreknowledge to stop some kind of evil like that and still chooses not to do so? Right. And it becomes, as you said, very personal when we – those those philosophical questions whether we would put them in those categories or not are really what we're all struggling with when we when we face those Mm -hmm. personal kinds of evil in our lives so brandon back to you um what are some ways that people have answered this problem so probably in philosophy or in the church or however you probably the most prominent 
would be what is called the free will defense. Uh, now, if you've listened to any of the PAC podcasts recently, uh, look back at last week's or the week before, and they talked about um, free will versus the sovereignty of God and how those work together and things like that. But um, the free will defense is built on an, a definition of free will that we wouldn't necessarily agree with as uh, Reformed people, Calvinistic, uh, however you want to describe us, but uh, it's based on the um, the freedom of contrary choice, libertarian free will. You can choose either A or B uh, at any given time. And as we talked about, well, I didn't talk about it, but as the other guys talked about on uh, the earlier episode, that's not exactly how the Calvinists believe with uh, how God's sovereignty functions. And so with more of a compatibilistic form of free will, we don't get to use or borrow from that free will defense that was given by um, more famous um, people who have given it. Uh, Alvin Plantinga, a modern philosopher, another guy named William Lane Craig, very, very smart gentleman. I just disagree with them on this point. Uh, but the free will defense is even uh, said by atheists who have broken the problem of evil. And of uh, course, the thing that we mentioned before, if you didn't listen, the the, the problem with that liber- libertarian view of free will is that it kind of ignores passages of scripture that talk about us being dead in trespasses and sins or being slaves to sin to say that you're kind of this blank slate that can choose this this one way or the other and there's nothing restraining your choice that's the kind of libertarian free will they're talking about it's like you can choose anything and there's nothing holding that choice captive where when we look at the scriptures it looks very clearly that our our choices are being bound by sinful desires and and things like that absolutely and so the free will defense to an extent it it attempts to uh kind of wash god's hands of it and say well it's all man's fault and you know man did it all and so you know god isn't involved in this in any way and and so it's attempting i think to do something good to say that god is fully good and yet i think it uh it does limit god's sovereignty in a way that is not um, the most faithful to scripture. And so, uh, what about, I, and, I, and we kind of talked about this beforehand, but somebody might say, yeah, but okay. You say that God knows everything that's going to happen though. You know, like, okay, God, it's all on man. It's all on the free will of man to bring in evil into the world. But God, if he knows everything, knew that people were going to do this. So doesn't that still make God culpable for the reality of evil because he chose to make a world where he knew evil was going to exist through the free will of man. <laughs> right. And We're that get, kind of getting into, into the weeds yes, a little bit you here. you get but. into open theism and this idea of a multiverse and things like that. And and I think, again, we, we don't really subscribe to that way of thinking, do we? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the way that I have found uh, to be the most faithful description – scripture is one that's put forward by a guy named Scott Christensen, and we'll talk about that more in the pack picks uh, in just a bit, but he calls it the greater glory defense. And his basic idea behind the greater glory defense is that God is going to get greater glory uh, through this world that has evil in it. Somehow God is going to be more glorified through this world than any other possible world that there ever could have been, whether it had evil or not. 
And so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I don't know how much we wanted to get into the details, but the, the main thrust of the idea is that God is most glorified uh, in the cross of Christ, which we would agree is the greatest evil of all time, mm, that, that, yeah. that the spotless Lamb of God was slain on behalf of sinners when he had committed no crimes, and yet he, an infinite being, was crucified between two criminals and dead and buried. Um, again, on our behalf, we believe that would be the greatest evil of all time perpetrated. And yet God is most glorified in that moment uh, in all of history. And so that's that's perhaps the crux of the greater glory defense. Argument from big picture that if evil did not exist, if sin did not exist, if God had chosen to create a world where he knew everything was going to be perfect, there would be no need for the cross. Precisely. There would be no need for grace, no need for redemption. And the argument is that a world that needs redemption and grace is a better world than a world that never never needed it. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. And so – it, which is, I think, is a great. You know, people can chew on that, can can perhaps read those arguments and get into that further. How does that? We mentioned, you know, it comes down to the the personal, usually mm. the feeling. It so Adam, like somebody hears that, and, and how does that help a person who's dealing with evil on a personal level, or does it? Well, certainly, I think it does. Um, but it's one of those medicines that's not like immediately felt, mm. if that makes sense. Um, I think we have to admit that there is um, there's mystery in calamity, there's mystery in suffering, um, but we we're, we're not left in, with such mystery that we don't know that God's not at work. Mm. So we go, I think, to the scriptures where we see the objective truths of what God is doing in His world. And if, you know, as we just said, you know, um, like the fall of man and the, the need, or well, the then need of the cross and, and that God has um, designed, not just permitted, but designed the most evil act in history for the greatest good in history, it, it, the redemption of his people through the cross, I think as, as you start seeing the objective truths that God is at work and is good and his, his judgment, judgments are always right, that doesn't solve every perceived emotional, personal problem that we have, but it does, I think, continue to help us to, to rest in the fact that we do serve an all-wise, all-good, um, just God who is working truly all things together for good. So, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, the, the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, the old Latin term is Felix culpa, which just means like happy or blessed fall. And essentially, it means that because of the fall, because of the entrance of sin into the world, eventually, because of the, the work of Christ on the cross, those who are redeemed by the blood of the cross, by the blood of Christ, are in a better position to know God than Adam and Eve were walking in the cool of the garden. Mm -hmm. That We see this, uh, Peter talks about this, for instance, um, with the angels. You know, God created angels at some point in the creation story. Um, I wouldn't, it, it, we're, obviously we're not talking like t tremendously much before man, especially if we're believing in a six day creation. Um, these angels who are created, who do not rebel against God, have never known existence outside of the presence of God. 
And yet what Peter goes on to say is that the angels desire to understand and look into the salvation that we have received. They rejoice when a sinner comes to to Christ and salvation because it brings God glory, but they do not personally understand um, on a personal level the redemption that God's people receive because Christ does not die for the angels. Mm -hmm. He does not redeem the angels. He does not self-sacrificially give for the angels. Uh, They enjoy his presence, but we will enjoy not only his presence, but the redeeming love of God now and forever. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the, the, the work of God, even in the things that we consider to be most evil, we still say that God is working the most good, which gets back to what Brandon was pointing out just a moment ago. Uh, and really, you think throughout Scripture, again, objectively, that God is the designer of a lot of things that we would consider, from our standpoint, evil, like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, for mm-hmm. instance. Uh, we would see the wiping away of a people group evil. Yeah. However, if we understand God's justice, we understand that that was not an evil act. It wasn't something that God arbitrarily decided, mm-hmm. These are I'm just going to wipe these people off the face of the planet. So our God is not the God of Islam, Allah, who's just fickle and changes his mind and can be vindictive or be generous or whatever he wants to be given, given the moment. Uh, God, as we see him reveal himself in scripture, is always acting in accordance to what is right and what is good. Yeah. Uh, and so. Well, again, and what you're saying is he's the definer of those. He things. is the definer of those those things. And so there's there's a, a powerful illustration and I'm not sure whose who's it is original. I'm not sure if it's, it would be. It might be C.S. Lewis or somebody else, but there's an, uh, an author character analogy and so one of the ways that i've seen it is with like with the chronicles of narnia so i'm not sure like i said i'm not sure that it's this is c.s lewis's but um you think about who is causing an event um and the argument is um well like aslan in the story Hmm. who why does aslan have to die well because edmund was a traitor and because he needed to be redeemed Aslan took the place of of the traitor. But you still ask the same question, why does Aslan have to die? Because that's how Lewis wrote it. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the cross, take, take us to the cross, why did Jesus have to die? He had to die because we had betrayed God in our, in our sinfulness. Uh, and the only way that we could be redeemed was by his blood being spilt for us. Ask the question again, why is it that Jesus had to die on the cross? Because God designed it this way so that we would be redeemed by the work of Christ. And so, again, when you're thinking about on the personal level, again, this is slow medicine because when you're in the midst of suffering, um, you're going to be able to say, I believe that God is at work. I believe that God is faithful. I believe that God is working all things together for good because I love Christ. And I've been called according to his purpose. I believe the promises of scripture. And yet, like the dad in the New Testament, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So it, it does, I think, stay us uh, when we are suffering and grieving, whether it's personal loss or you know another school shooting or another national calamity or another uh, you know, disaster on the world stage. I think it 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 helps us uh, to for our faith to be maintained in God, even if we don't have all of our answers or all of our questions answered. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, as we've said, I'm sure what we've said on the podcast, and no pastorally, we've said it to people in counseling. We've said it from the pulpit that there are by the kindness of God, we do get to see the goods that He has designed in uh, in our sufferings. 
um, but not always. Sometimes we will not understand uh, the the sufferings that we've experienced in this life until it is revealed to us in heaven. Um, that's why we keep ourselves grounded in the Word of God. We keep ourselves grounded in the Scriptures where we see the objective truths of who God is, what He is doing um, on an overarching level, and then apply that to our personal situations. Mm-hmm. Whether we can see how the details are working out or not, we, we, we see that God has been consistent and faithful throughout generations. We look at the story of Joseph, for instance, uh, you know, who sells his, uh, Joseph into slavery, his brothers. But God is also the author of that story, mm. and he's doing so for the eventual salvation, physical salvation of an entire world at the time through the famine, mm. uh, so that Joseph is able to say to his brothers, what you meant for evil, mm. God meant, intended for good. Um, it's not like you, Tim, you, you preached that text, I believe, um, here a few, probably a few months ago here at Bethlehem, and you rightfully drew out the fact it Joseph did not say, brothers, what you meant for evil, God turned for good, mm-hmm. or God reacted and worked for good, but that God meant it for good. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so there's there's a mystery there, and and by the way, um, it, the, I don't want to get too far into um, the you know the the philosophical weeds. That doesn't mean that God was doing evil. Mm-hmm. Right. right. God intended good. Yeah. From our perspective, it might feel wrong. Uh, and there might be wrongs that are actually committed, mm-hmm. but those, the responsibility for those wrongs committed, the sinful uh, responsibility is always man's. Yeah. Right. The intent of God to do good is always God's right. and he mm-hmm. will always do so. And yeah. so I think that helps us in our, in our suffering, especially whenever su- suffering is chronic. I mean, if suffering is something that goes on for a very long time, the more that we experience and the more that we dwell on the suffering itself, the more our hearts just ache. And they are, I mean, we, we hurt and we ask way more questions than we are ever able to answer. This is why we, we have to be careful, I think, uh, and uh, say this for myself, say this pastorally for others, we have to be careful to continue to orient and fix our eyes on Christ, continue to look back to the author of good, the source of good, the source of light, joy, hope, peace, all those sorts of things, so that we are not so um, so focused on our, our navels, belly button gazing, <laughs> that we, we lose sight of that the fact that God is still at work for good in, in our lives. Yeah, that's good. You mentioned, just want to want to kind of hit on one more thing, and then maybe we'll see if there's some pack picks or any, any closing thoughts, but um, you were talking about you know, God is the definer of categories like good and evil and mm-hmm. justice and mercy and all those different things. These are not concepts that exist outside of God that he must adhere to. They're not even things that God created and then chose to adhere to. Mm-hmm. These are things that are defined in the being of God himself. Mm, right. And it, that's really important for us to remember um, because, as you mentioned, there are things that happen in the world that – we define as evil that perhaps God doesn't define as evil, you know, and especially in our world, the way it is today there, you know, we, we know that that's always been the case. We've got the scripture that says, woe to those who call evil, good and good evil. Mm-hmm. There are certainly that, that mindset right now that there are people who are calling good evil and evil good. And, right. and this whole conversation seems extremely convoluted when, mm-hmm. when it's not even clear what is good and what is evil, you know? Um, but we, we have to remember that God is the definer of good, and I think Tim Keller did a great job of talking about this 
in the context of the problem of evil that if we understand it rightly, if we get rid of God because evil exists, we say, well, good, <clears throat> good, loving, all-powerful God can exist if evil exists. We actually get rid of the concept of evil at the same time. Yes. You know, there's no reason why somebody who decides to be a naturalist, a materialistic kind of way of looking at the world, could say something's evil. Because how can you say that chance and circumstance there's no are good or evil? There's no standard for what's good and what's evil when you when you strip God out of the equation. And so uh, appreciate Tim Keller, of course, his entire ministry. We know that he's going to be with the Lord now, but I think he is extremely helpful there. Any any closing thoughts or any pack picks that we need to point that, people that's to? That's a really great point, Tim, is that if we are truly confident on our response to the problem of evil, we can use this as an offensive tool as we do apologetics and as we're having conversations with people and and asking them, well, how do you answer the problem of evil in mm. your worldview? Right. Because as Tim just said, the atheist has to step back and realize I have no standard for good and evil. Yeah. The the uh, the Hindu has to say um, none of this really matters because eventually I'm going to return to Brahma, which is like it, it's nothingness. And so it doesn't matter anyway. Evil doesn't exist. It's just a figment of our imagination. And so we can use it in those ways to then point to things and say, no, evil exists. Yeah. But at the same time, we can offer the hope of Christ that evil isn't always going to exist. Eventually, he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes and death will be no more. And sin and crying and pain, all of those will pass away because he's making all things new. And that's a wonderful promise that we can offer to those who are suffering. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the last thing I'd want to say is there, there certainly are events that, from our perspective, we feel to be evil um and perhaps are not like the maybe we would think of some uh, an example of the uh the outworking of God's justice um if God is is executing justice that is right so that the, you know that calamity befalls a city in the old testament is not evil in the sense of like again this tyrannical god just throwing mm -hmm. down fire on a city you know, it's the right execution of justice. And we, we feel that in our souls as well. Um, when Again, if you want to think on a personal level, whenever there is a cry for justice and we demand the death penalty for a serial murder, uh, we're not demanding something that's evil. Death, mm -hmm. is, death is bad. We hate death. Death is a result of sin. But we also love justice. And justice demands, in some mm -hmm. cases, um, you know, the death penalty, so to speak. Um, so on the one hand, I want to say that. And on the other hand, I want to say... Um, that doesn't mean as Christians we say that no event is evil, right? Mm -hmm. We want that there are plenty of examples that we could give of events that are genuinely, truly evil, and that's the result I think of living in a fallen world. I think God. Well, I don't think we have libertarian free will whatsoever. We, we are responsible agents, and because of our slavery to sin, unbelievers will commit unbelieving acts they yeah. will sin and they yeah. will do what is genuinely wrong and evil right. uh, we would never look at the holocaust and say you know through um you know tainted glasses like oh, it was all good because god's you know right. we would say that is evil but what we would maintain <clears throat> as christians um being faithful to what god's word teaches us about who he is and his actions in the world is to say while that event was evil 
God is still at work for good. Mm-hmm. And so I think that those are, are important uh, just to keep in balance um, in our minds. And, and it's now, let's say that like it's super easy. It's easy to sit here on a podcast and say mm-hmm. that. But we, we do want to make, make, again, we want to make sure that we are grounding ourselves in truth, grounding ourselves in the objective reality of who God is and that he is at work all the way to the end. You know, I mean, there's a sense in which knowing that God is going to make all things new and all things right we work from eschatology back to the cross, the source of where that's going to become true. And then we can work back to our own issues and our own problems mm-hmm. where we can say, whatever is going to take place in my life uh, as a believer, um, when genuine or perceived evils occur, sufferings occur in my life, I can have confidence in a God who is faithful to to work all things according to the counsel of his will, and it will be ultimately for good, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel good in the moment. I mean, the author of Hebrews talks about discipline. No one feels like discipline's joyful. They feel like it's sorrowful in the moment. But whenever it yields its fruit, it yields the fruit the the what is it the um, uh, the peaceful fruit of righteousness, holiness yeah. in our lives. And so, just keeping those things in balance, I think, is helpful uh, for us before we suffer. You know, I've I've said it million probably a million times at this point. Um, the time to get a theology of suffering is not in the midst yes. of suffering. It's before the suffering comes. Um, we need to understand God's hand in our lives whenever, before we experience uh, profound losses and difficulties in our life so that we, we continue to look to Christ and continue to put our faith and trust in Him. That's good. Any pack picks for today before we close? I've got a couple. Uh, so I already mentioned Scott Christensen. Uh, his book is called What About Evil? It is a bit of a monster. It's probably about 600 pages long, uh, 550 it looks like. Um, but it is excellent. It's fairly new, and it is, I think, the most extensive uh, look at the problem of evil uh, from a compatibilistic, more reformed uh, point of view. Uh, maybe D.A. Carson's How Long, O Lord?, uh, would be comparable, yeah, but but cool. I do think Christensen's is even better than D.A. Carson's, if you can believe it. Uh, the second one that I would recommend, so What About Evil, Scott Christensen? More of a lighter uh, read, a little bit easier, more on a popular level, is called Why Is There Evil in the World? Parentheses and so much of it. And this is by Greg Welty. It's part of the Big Ten series, um, and it is very good as well. Uh, it's a little, like I said, a little simpler, a little easier to uh, digest, and um, it, is, it is very good. So if you want the, the deep dive, what about evil, Scott Christensen? If you want uh, the little brother uh, that is also still very good, why is there evil in the world and so much of it by Greg Welty? Good. Adam, I, I, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna qualify why I'm, I'm uh, suggesting this book, and and I also say that I I would recommend this book to a Christian who is mature, uh, and who knows um, what the scriptures say about suffering and God's uh, sovereignty. But uh, the book is called "Is God to Blame?" Uh, it's by Gregory A. Boyd. It is not a, in my estimation, not a faithful answer to the problem of evil. Uh, it is from a guy who is an an open theist, uh, so he's he's trying to get God off the hook, and basically saying that God can't be to blame because he doesn't know what's unfolding. The reason so I that even like that original question I asked Brandon mm-hmm. early on that said, well, even if you, even if we have libertarian free will and we say it's all human, well, God still knew the future and still was going to create a world of of 
free will agent people who he knew were going to commit evil. So doesn't that still make God culpable for the evil that was going to come because he chose to create it? And the open theist says no, because God didn't know that was going to happen. Right, exactly. And so if if you were a mature Christian wanting to understand how a person thinks this way, then from a uh, research and um, apologetic sort of line, I would say that this would be a book to read. I I will say that if you already have a a firm understanding um, of God's sovereignty in situations, it's going to be a frustrating book to read. It's one of those books, I've got this little stamp where it says uh, uh, heretical nonsense for research purposes only. (laughs) It belongs in this book. But I I would say if if you're interested in reading from a different perspective in order to kind of understand where a person could come from and how they could get to that point, then I think that this would be a book that would be helpful to you in understanding that side of the equation. All right. Well, great discussion, guys. I'm, I know that this is something we could talk about for a lot longer, but I think it's been good. Hopefully, it's been helpful to you as you've been listening, and hopefully, you also know that hot dogs are sandwiches. <laughs> yes. And uh, or are they? We'll throw some. <laughs> or a taco. One of the other. Throw some fire taco. On it. All right. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pack Podcast. Weekly, we get together to think out loud discussing ethics, apologetics, theology, and how to apply God's Word to our everyday lives. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. For more information about our podcast, to connect with us or our church families, visit thepact.podbean.com. We pray you've been encouraged today and that you'll take the pact with a group of close believers pursuing prayer, accountability, confidentiality, and truth.